Bob is overworked. As a father and husband, he's trying to hold it all together. After promising to take his family on holiday to Hawaii, he abruptly changes his plans without telling them so he can attend a business meeting. Instead of a week in paradise, they're going on a road trip to Colorado in an RV. Dragging his wife and family, kicking and screaming, they set off on the journey. There are so many voices, so many messages. Bob struggles to know who to listen to. But as we shall see, he must decide. RV. Roadmate 700. I call her Lola. Make a right in 100 feet. Thank you, Lola. She's accurate to within 10 feet. Go straight. No, Lola says take a right. Well, you'll hit mall traffic. Just go straight. 50 feet. Yeah, but she said take a right. Well, I'm telling you to go straight. Mm-hmm. 20 feet. Choose. <laughs> Beggar, please. Turn right. Choose. Dad. Sometimes you've just got to choose. Who are you listening to? Whether we like it or not, we're listening to somebody or something almost all of the time. Whether we like it or not, we're making daily choices. No, not daily, even hourly. Choices minute by minute based on the things that we hear the messages we receive. Subtly, almost imperceptibly, almost without us being unaware of it, we're making those choices. Every minute going towards those crossroads, deciding who will I listen to? To our wives, our husbands, or to Lola, the roadmate? To the media or to our friends? To the expectation of others or to our inner fears. We're listening and responding. We're hearing and deciding all of the time. And these messages are constantly telling me how to think. They're telling me every moment how I should feel. They inform my actions towards others. They teach me how to view success and recognize failure. They make merciless judgments and huge demands. Noises, Voices, messages, it never stops. I think I'm free, but I'm not. I think I'm immune, I'm above all that, but I'm not. Almost every decision reveals I'm listening to somebody or something all of the time. Some of you looked in the mirror before you came out and thought to yourself, Does my bum look big in this? Two things are true. You'd heard a message and you were making your choice. It could, of course, be anything. It could be the coffee you buy or the clothes you wear or the phone that you've chosen or the clubs you belong to or the places you go to the people you hang out with or to the things you invest in. We are listening and arriving at the crossroads of decision almost every moment. Are we going this way or that? Well, I think like this or like that. 
Will I do this or the other? If messages were not that strong, advertisers would not be that rich. But it's not just commercials. Everybody's listening and deciding all of the time. When your five-year-old comes home and says, my teacher can pick up a park bench with just one hand. There are two things you know as a father. One, your son has heard something. Secondly, he's made a choice. And that choice is something like, Daddy, you're a loser now compared to him. When your teenager goes behind your back, two things are sure. They've heard something and made a choice. When we take the promotion that means more money, but longer hours and less family time, we've heard a message and we've made a choice. When someone retires and they feel they have no worth, they've heard a message that their significance is glued to what they do and they made a choice. We live with these messages all of the time that big means better, that more gives meaning, that success equals significance, that money is the measure of value. And so everyone everywhere is telling us how to live. We're listening and making choices. And so two questions. Are the messages right? And are our choices good? The Bible has an answer. But you don't need to look in the Bible to find an answer to this question around messages and choices. You just need to walk up any street in our town and begin to know and understand what goes on behind each front door. The messages and our choices have left us in a kind of darkness, a kind of fog. It's like we've taken a wrong turn somewhere and found ourselves where we didn't want to be. Everywhere you go, you find people who look like they've got it all together, but on the inside, they're falling Apart, Maybe you are one of those this evening. Everywhere you can find people that seem to have the whole world. They had their Christmas tree flown in from Lapland. The branches are perfect. Ours looks like the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Pray for its safe, upright position for another few days. All the tinsel is new with these people that have it all together. The lights are bright and every present is iPad shaped. But meet any person, honestly any person, who looks like they have the whole world. And in a quiet moment, in a moment when the vulnerability is real and the guard is down, people who have it all still say they haven't found yet what they're looking for. In our sophisticated world of mass communication, the world of the NHS and social security, in our world of the big society, people are lonely and frightened and scared. It's dark. It's dark. 
And there's nothing worse than groping around in the dark. The darkness disorientates. You you don't know quite where you are or where you're going. The darkness removes perspective. What is that big shadow I can now see in the corner of the room? The darkness brings fear. There are places I'd go in the light, but I'm too scared to be there in the dark. The darkness is so real. And it drives the mania we've called Christmas. The lights, the gifts, the food, the activity. If only just for a moment we can say to one another, if only just for a moment, we can say to ourselves, all is well. It's dark. But all anyone needs in the darkness is someone to turn on the light. The messages and our choices have left us in darkness. What if there was a different kind of message? What if there was a different kind of choice? In the reading that we just had that Chris read to us just a few moments ago from John's Gospel, John describes Jesus as the message. The message from heaven, God's message, God's word. And John puts it like this, he said, this message is so different from all the other messages that are bombarding us through every moment. John says this message is so different. When it comes, it's like someone has turned on the light. The light shines in the darkness. But the darkness has not understood it or overcome it. John is saying Jesus is the message that turns the light on in the darkness of our lives, in the darkness of this world. And in our most honest moments, when our heads hit the pillow, I think we all want someone, really, to turn on the light. And yet the world is still so dark. And, and John, in those few verses, explains why the world is still so dark. He, he said it, it's like this. He, Jesus, was in the world. But they didn't see it. They didn't recognize it. It's not that people rejected Jesus in a deliberate way. He says it, it's like they, they didn't recognize him. The message came, but there were so many other messages. The voice came, but there were so many other voices. That people didn't see, they didn't hear. But those who did hear, those who did see, he says something amazing. It was for them light, not darkness. They, They found themselves no longer as orphans, but being invited to be part of God's family, to call him father, to become his child. We're discovering at Burlington that when we learn to listen to God's word to hear this message. It's like the light gets switched on in our lives. And the Bible is full of so many promises about being people that listen to this message and allow that light to to light up inside of us. The Spirit gives life. The words I've spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Then you will know the truth, then you'll know the message. And this message, this truth will set you free. Jesus brings the message that turns on the light. Which is why as a church, next year in 2011, we're learning together to hear, to listen to this message. We're learning together to hear God speak. 
Learning to listen. And I use that word learning quite deliberately. It's a bit like when a toddler speaks. If a toddler speaks when everything is going on, you will not hear clearly what's being said. When a toddler speaks, you say, whoa, 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 stop, wait, wait, slow down. And you will stop. You will give that toddler your full attention for those moments. You'll tune in, you'll listen carefully, and then you will hear what's being said. I'm not suggesting that God speaks like a toddler, but I know from my experience I need to do the same with God. There's there's too much noise, there's too many voices, too many messages. I need to stop, tune in, look him, as it were, full in the eyes, and listen to what he's saying. That's what John was saying in these verses. He puts it like this, if we don't stop and and look and tune in, the message still isn't heard. The word still comes but isn't recognized. And so we've been experimenting over these past months as to how we might learn together to hear God speak. And we've been gathering different groups in our church at different times and, and we've been inviting people to stop. Not just to slow down, but just for a minute to stop. Inviting people to read just a few verses in God's word as our way of giving God our full attention, fixing our gaze on him. And then we've been asking God to highlight just one little thing about what we're reading, to tune in, to listen to what he's saying. And it's been amazing as we've begun to hear God speak in a fresh and a new way. So we're learning to listen. We're committing ourselves as a church to stopping every day to giving God our full attention by reading those few verses, to tune in and to listen to the one thing that God might say to us in that moment. Hey, we'd love you to join us. You can do it anywhere, at work, in your home, in your own time. We'd love you to join us whether you go to church normally or not, whether you think you're religious or not, whether you think you're good or bad or indifferent or don't really care what you think you are just now. Because I think, and we've come to know, that all of us need the light switched on in the darkness that we find. Not just out there, but the fears and hurts and failures and disappointments, the darkness that lies within our own hearts and lives. If your heart is open, if you're willing to listen, God will speak. To help us, we're going to look at a different part of the Bible Uh, each Sunday. We're going to go from the beginning right to the end. We're going to take 12 months to do it, to travel right the way through, so that when we open our Bibles day in, day out, and read those few verses to give God our full attention, we might understand and open our ears to tune in and hear what he's saying. All you need is to be honest and open. The deal is just like the deal for the wise men. You see, they had everything. The wise men were everything we aspire to be. They were intelligent, and they were influential, and they were affluent. They were the movers and shakers. They were the people at the top of the pile. But for all of that, they still hadn't found what they were looking for. They were looking for a light, a star in the sky, because they knew they needed something that would light up the darkness that was in their hearts for all that they had achieved in earthly terms. And so they left everything. They gave it all up, that they might go and see 
They left everything behind that they might tune in, focus in, and listen for themselves to the message that Jesus came to bring. It was to light up their darkness. It was to give life to their lives. And their story is an encouragement to us to look and see, to hear and listen, to tune in, and to know God speaking. If we seek him in 2011, there is a promise that we will, that we will find him. I don't, I don't know about you, but if you're normal, you'll need something to light up the inside of your life. That's the deal. Spend five minutes with somebody being honest for a moment. And you'll know that they will echo in their lives the darkness that you feel in your own. We've begun to understand here, and we're only beginning, that as God speaks, something changes. Not just in here, but in here. As God speaks, it's like a a little spark, a little flame. The more he speaks, so that light will grow. And I need that light for my darkness. And I guess we all do. And Jesus said, the light has come into the world. But the tragedy is this, that so often men have continued to stay in the dark. Join us for our journey, will you? in 2011. Uh, you find all, all the details that the website was, was up. Uh, just follow the links to daily Bible reading. There's stuff as, as you go out through the door that'll just help you understand the way we're trying to do it here. Do it your way. Tune in. God will speak and light up your life. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for every time Someone in our community here has known God speak to them and known what it is for you to light up the darkness in their lives. Thank you that when you light something in us, however small that is, the darkness cannot overcome it. The light always shines. Sometimes we feel very dark. That only enables the light to shine brighter. As we begin this journey as God's people here at Burlington, on January the 1st, we've got our pen, our notebook, and our Bible, and our reading plan. We've got it ready and together. We know the time, and we know the place. As we stop, tune in, give you our full attention, we're listening, and we're longing to hear you speak. And we know that's a prayer you love to answer. So we believe even now for all the things that you're going to say to us through the coming year. In Jesus' name, Amen.